You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today I'm going to talk about how to describe the benefits of coaching. So here's the question to you. How good are you at describing the value and the impact of your health and wellness coaching to potential clients? In this episode, I'm going to help you to unpack the benefits of coaching so that you can describe what you do in a way that gets prospective clients interested in learning more and working with you. We're going to cover how you describe what coaching is, in other words, what not to do, what really drives people to buy health and wellness coaching, and how to describe the value and benefits of coaching. So there's a little bit of backstory before we get started. I was having this conversation a couple of weeks ago with someone about bringing health and wellness coaching into a workplace context in the terms of mental health, seeking support and duty of care around mental health. And as I was describing how coaching works with an employer, his eyes lit up and he totally got it. He really understood how coaching could support his workforce. And it got me thinking about how we often describe coaching and why that falls flat and what we should be doing instead. So that's how I came up with the idea for this episode. And it is something that a lot of people ask me about. How do you describe what you do? And so that's the question, how do you describe what coaching is? A lot of coaches struggle to get people interested in their services and sell services because they really struggle to describe what they do and how it works. And they get really bogged down in it. I've done a few previous episodes about that, such as episode 116, Explaining Your Coaching Services, where I interviewed Fiona Cosgrove, and episode 205, How to Create a Magnetic Bounty Proposition. But if we go to the basics now, the problem is exactly in the words that I've just used. It's we try to describe coaching, not the value or benefits of coaching. What I mean is that we get caught up trying to explain what we do as a profession or how coaching is done. So we end up talking about us or our our methodology or our modality. So if you're trying to explain what coaching is and what you do, you're sitting there talking to them about you and your method rather than them and rather than the value, the benefits and the results that they want to achieve. So they can't relate to what you're saying. If we just focus on talking about how we do the method of coaching, you know, using words like vision and goals and help people develop habits and do things they can't do already, and people are informed about us and our method, but they don't see where they fit into it or what's in it for them. And so for me, that's what we need to stop doing. That's what's not to do. The way to communicate value is to be able to answer the question from the client's point of view, which is, what's in it for me? That's what I want to talk to you about today. So going back to the conversation I had recently with an employer about coaching in a workplace context, the conversation there was about mental health. It was about seeking support, getting people to become more health literate and having more duty of care for their own well-being. We discussed psychosocial risks and how they impact worker safety. 
Those were the things that mattered to this person. And so I positioned coaching as part of the solution by explaining that the two key goals of what we do as coaches is to help people to become self-aware and to generate self-responsibility. And if we coach around those two things, we empower workers to be more aware of what's going on for them mentally so that they're more likely to proactively seek help before things reach a crisis point or to take some action themselves. And that means they're improving their own duty of care and as a consequence, reducing mental health risks and incidents in the workplace. So that's why he really got the importance of coaching to his organisation. I was able to use the language that the employer was familiar with and using that tied into their industry vernacular, the words and concepts that they were talking about. And I was able to show him how coaching can help him and his employees achieve the benefits and outcomes that they want. So with all that said, he really got the value of coaching in his context and his eyes lit up when we were talking about it. So just to be really clear that that's one situation and the way that you describe the value or benefits of coaching is going to be different for different market segments. But the point is that you're using the client's language and talking about what's meaningful to them, to the results and benefits they are after, and that makes the value of your services really obvious. Now think about yourself and how you speak about coaching and how you help people. It's maybe time to do things a little differently. If you think about the example I've just described, I considered that mental health problems are initially hard to see, so it makes sense that self-awareness is a valuable part of my explanation of how coaching benefits people. It makes sense to talk about how people can self-identify a problem and then half the battle is won when there are so many invisible or hard to see symptoms. I didn't waste any time trying to explain coaching methodology. I just spoke about benefits and impacts. So if you're able to unpick the problem that your market has, then you're more easily able to talk about value. So to do that, to unpick the problem, you need to try and get to the heart of the matter, which is what really drives people to change and to pay for help. In what I've just explained, it's really clear that the value of coaching is positioned around those drivers. What are people trying to solve for at the moment? What are they paying for? And your job is to figure those out. Now, how do you do that? How do you figure what, out what someone's drivers are and how do you know when someone will pay? Well, you definitely need to do market research and ask people what matters to them and what they would pay for or what they're already buying. That market research is so important. But more generally, there are four conditions of change and for buying for any market. And I just want to briefly touch on these so that you're really clear on some of the general principles. You must do your own market research, though. So firstly, as you learn in coaching, the first condition of change, the trigger for change is, I have a sense that something isn't right. In other words, self-awareness is the first step because if you know you have a problem or you're self-aware that you have a problem, then you're more likely to do something about it or to seek help. So we have to do something that creates self-awareness in our marketing and that is also the first step in coaching too. A lot of marketing uh, type self-awareness activities include quizzes, case studies, stories, questionnaires, or inviting reflection. And that helps to make people problem aware, as it's called. 
So knowing you have a problem is one thing, but doing about it and paying to get help is the next. So having the awareness is that first point. But the second point in my experience is that once the problem's identified, it needs to be big enough and painful enough that it's disrupting somebody's daily life and they can't ignore it anymore. And in that sense, you want to know that that problem, or as people I've spoken to have described, the problem is impacting on their families, their relationships, their daily work activities, their own well-being on a daily basis, and they can be specific about that. The reason that's important is that most people are reactive. So they tend to wait until things get really bad until they seek help. So understanding the problem is and being aware of it is one thing, but if your problem is big enough, you're really going to start considering whether you should get some professional help. And that's the second point, the second trigger for buying is people reaching that stage. Thirdly, people who pay for coaching services also feel that they can't tackle it on their own. And you'll hear them using feeling words around this like frustrated, helpless, irritated, guilty, and so forth, stuck. They have obstacles that are situational, behavioural, cognitive or emotional. So they're feeling a certain way or thinking certain things or in a situation or behaving in certain ways that they don't like and are hard to, to break out of those situations or, or loops. So they need help with that. And then finally, the thing that might drive somebody to change and to get help with that is they feel ready, willing and able to make the change. And they know that there are certain positive feelings and outcomes that they want to experience. So those are four general things that drive people to buy and pay to get help. And when you've spoken to people in your niche and you really understand those four elements from that individual perspective and you can hear and use their feeling words, then you can pull together a statement that describes value and benefits of coaching that really aligns with where they are right now. Rather than talking about, I'll help you create a vision and set some goals, that's not going to cut it. So let's talk about how we need to start describing the value of coaching. To be clear, we need to be talking more specifically about the things that matter to the people you're trying to attract and how those things feel rather than talking about our tools or methods. That's it in a nutshell. And I've got an example of this. When I used to coach in weight loss a few years ago, a lot of clients talked about not being able to commit to themselves or to be consistent, and they loathed themselves for that. So if I was speaking to somebody in my niche who wanted to lose weight around the menopausal ages um, generally, I'd be talking about how coaching helps you to make a solid commitment to yourself and learn how to honour that commitment so that you can be consistent authentic and living with integrity, feeling aligned with who you truly are and feeling proud and confident. Can you see how that is a really different explanation that could be valuable for someone who wants to commit to themselves and be consistent and stop beating themselves up? I'm actually talking about the feelings they want and the things that they want, not about me and my method. There's no descriptions of goals or coaching tools. It's clear feeling-based descriptions of what can coaching can help a person to achieve. So that's the key part of the value of what you do. And one final word on this before we wrap up 
it's pretty hard to talk about these things unless you've been a coaching client yourself. And I know I've mentioned this a lot lately, but it's really important for you to get into the client's shoes and be coached by someone yourself over a period of weeks to change a habit or develop a new habit. And it's so essential for a few reasons. Firstly, so that you can be a role model for change, but so that you have the lived experience of what it's like to make and honour a commitment to yourself. Then you can talk authentically about the value and benefits of coaching from the place of experience. You'll be able to find the words more easily. You'll be able to describe the changes and the feelings and the outcomes more naturally. And so when people want to know how coaching works, you can speak honestly about what it's like to make a commitment to yourself and how it feels to meet your own expectations and how you develop certain skills like self-regulation, self-discipline, consistency, scheduling, self-accountability that can be transferred to other areas of life so you can keep growing and changing beyond that one win that you have in one area. And when people want to know about what the results are of coaching, you can once again speak authentically and emotionally about the feelings and the changes you've experienced. For example, you might say things like, you can finally stop quitting on yourself and feeling guilty. You'll be more aligned with your values and your dreams. And you'll know that having wins in one or two areas builds your confidence to do more and to build on those wins and how when you're living in line with your values, you're living with integrity, and that gives you a sense of self-respect and self-worth. Can you hear how different that conversation is? In other words, we're communicating how forming a few simple habits can give the important skills and insights that can be applied to other areas, and we're talking about the feelings that they generate. So that's a very different conversation. And how would you feel if someone described coaching like that to you? Let's summarize what's been covered today. I know I've repeated the theme a few times, but I really want to emphasize the point. We talked about how we often get up and get caught up describing coaching when we should actually be describing the value of coaching. And to do that, to describe that value and those benefits, you need to understand what drives the people in your niche. And even better, get coached yourself so that you have the lived experience to speak passionately and emotively about the feeling-based outcomes, and then what's possible because of that. And then you can more easily craft a statement or messaging that describes the value and benefits of coaching with you and with such richness that people are excited to join you on the journey. I hope that's been useful. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments, so drop me a line, hit me up on my contact page on my website if you'd like to talk more about the value of coaching. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.